This is the Gambling Gauchos. Hey, if we keep playing and fighting for each other, and no matter what happens, we just say what's next. That's all we do. Somebody turn on some damn music. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need, money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro. And Ryan Mainville. Money line matadors. The Casino Cowboys. Parlay picket doors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. With the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing it's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. He's Ryan Mainville. Live in the Cardinal Sports Center studios. You can gear up for whatever you're gearing up for sports-wise at Cardinals Sports Center. Live and in person on 68-ish and slide over there by the Hobby Lobby in Lubbock or in Plano, Texas or online at mycardinalsports.com. Kyle, what are you looking for to, to gear up for? Well, breaking news, I'm a backwards hat kind of guy from now on. I noticed. So. Is that your new bit? <laughs> I don't do bits. You have noticed you, you even killed the name bit. We were all doing name bits, man. Uh, I don't do bits. You don't do bits don't anymore. Do, I think it's bits? funny, though, that the first comment, who's a guy on the bottom? It's like, <laughs> his name is on the screen. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I'm going to Cardinals to gear up on backwards caps. You got a couple of nice uh, Cardinals hats. I like the uh, the khaki one. Yeah, this one is – I like that one too. That's got the old school Matador. This one's got old school Double T. There you go. So, Speaking of hats, money is that hat right there, the Teal Bill. Teal – Till – Till Bill. Teal, that's hard to say together. Real close. Well, it's two different sounds, but it's – it feels like it should be the same sound. Teal Bill. <laughs> that's a tongue twister, man. Anyways, Ryan, how you doing? I'm good. How are y'all? <laughs> good. Oh man, today today is today was bad. It was good. It was it was a little bad. Um, Kyle, are you in Lubbock today? Packing up your house? I am. So you yeah. got to enjoy the the Mars weather. Yeah, more than most because yeah. when you're packing up your entire house. Oh, you're back you and to... forth in it. What? You're back and forth in it. What does that mean? Going outside of the truck. No. Oh. What I was going to say, um, when I was going to make that point perfectly clear before being interrupted, would have been a lot, just offered a ton more clarity to our listeners. But um, when you're packing up your entire house, you have to pack up your kitchenware, empty out your fridge, all that good stuff. And so you don't really have the luxury of cooking for yourself. So I had to go out and get dinner when it was pretty rough out there. 
Whereas most, I feel like, probably had the choice to just stay in their house. Hot start today. Yeah, that's where I was going with that initially. <laughs> Kyle doesn't like conversations. He, he just wants to talk. and No, I love conversation. I think conversation is great when... Mm. Here's what you don't understand, Rob. Conversation isn't just speaking. It's also listening. No, it's, that can't be it. That's not how I do business. <laughs> I, I had eggs for dinner. What'd you go get, Kyle? Uh, boneless wings, actually. Oh, nice. So it yeah, is. No free ads, yeah, but that's the only bit you're wings. sticking to there, huh? It's not a bit. <laughs> it's just life. Okay, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Um, Ryan, the, the NIT moniker. Um, money NIT Mainville. If you're not watching, you're just listening. Uh, the name on the screen. The NIT hopes. Let's just be positive here. The NIT hopes uh, shot upwards this weekend. Is that is that a good way to say it? Because the other tournament hopes died. Yes, the your tournament odds definitely decreased this weekend. One point loss to TCU. I think that pretty much does it. Um, I also said that when Tech was sitting at 0-8 in conference play and they managed to make things interesting for a while. Um, obviously, you have Kansas City. That's a guaranteed bid if you win out the weekend. Who knows what happens in, in Allen Fieldhouse. Um, I, I've got a good guess that, it, that it's not going to be great, but I think you're pretty much sealed. That was your season. Really tough way to end it really bad taste in your mouth, but honestly feels like a very fitting way for it to come to a close. Cause kind of the story of this team since that really bad start was close, but, but just not enough, not enough to push them over the edge in, in this year's big 12. And so, uh, you know, very bitter way to lose a game um, with all the stakes and with how your opponent was kind of chirping at you. But uh, I think that does it. You, you got two games left. We'll we'll see what happens, but uh, I think that's a wrap. E- even even in the bad stretch, I feel like this team's moniker was very close. It's just they're close. They, oh, if Amac was healthy, they'd be this. If this wasn't happening, they'd be this. So it was just a three point loss to Kansas. It was just an overtime loss to Oklahoma. like. You were just so close the whole time, but you you never really got there. Even in the four-game four winning streak, I don't think they ever really turned the corner. And maybe it was just because the hurdle was too high at the end of the season. Um, but it just never feels like it got into high gear. So that's frustrating. Kyle, you said Goonies never die before we started recording. Is that, is that because you think there's still an opportunity or you just – the the noted optimist that Kyle Jacobson always is. I'm just curious what your – I think T-Rank gave you a 7% chance to make the tournament before that game. So in some sense, like it can't get too much lower. But I'm just curious what the math is. Assuming you do lose in Lawrence, which I don't expect you to win, if you beat Oklahoma State and then win two quad one games on a neutral court in Kansas City, what does that do for you? And so I, I – trust me, I see the writing on the wall that it's unlikely that a team that goes 6-12 and 12 in conference in the regular season makes it. But kind of unique circumstances if you were able to get a seventh and – or would it be your sixth quad one? Maybe your sixth and seventh quad one wins in Kansas City. You know, like North Carolina got their first this weekend. 
Now they don't have all the losses you have to quad one teams either, but I don't know. I still think you might be a, a very unique case for this selection committee. And so I'll, I'll be curious just to see how things unfold, but certainly would have felt a lot better with a win and probably would have even felt things were likely that if you just were able to uh, sort of hold serve at home against TCU and Oklahoma state, that the outcome in Lawrence and maybe even the outcomes in Kansas city wouldn't really matter so much. So that is disappointing, especially on a controversial call, which I still haven't seen, by the way, I only listened to the radio broadcast. Um, but also, you know, you had your chances earlier in the game. You know, you fell down by 13, I think was your largest deficit. You had your chances earlier in the season before starting 0-8. Um, you had your chances on your home court. You lost to OU, who's the worst team in the conference. You lost to TCU in Kansas on your home court. You blew a double-digit halftime lead in Austin. And so um, I would still, just out of curiosity, like to see the the play at the end and sort of render judgment on whether that was a shooting foul or not. Um, but certainly your season outcome was not determined just by that one play since you were given so many opportunities to win earlier in the season and didn't take advantage enough times. Even in that game, the foul disparity was so far in the Texas Tech's favor. It was hard to complain about that at the end, even though uh, I don't know if you foul a guy under the basket and he's he's motioning, I guess they can call it a shooting foul if they want to or not. You should have fouled him two steps earlier if you're, if that was the plan. I know you're trying to kill yeah. some time there, but... Can we talk end-of-game execution here? Because you didn't execute there. What you were obviously trying to do was you had a foul or two to give, and I guess you, you got the first one. And then the second time you tried to execute, wasting a foul just to make them inbound it and run a second or two off the clock, uh, it went disastrously for you. And then the last possession of the game, your likelihood of winning is slim. I think everybody's complained about the offensive sets they draw up coming out of the timeout. And so it's not as if using the timeout there would have necessarily inspired a ton of confidence or a different outcome, but to keep it in your pocket and then get that look. And then after the game, just, you know, 30 minutes after the buzzer sounds to say, yeah, I apologize to the guys. I should have called timeout. It's like, what were we doing the final five seconds of game clock there. I mean, I think that certainly warrants a fair amount of criticism. Ryan, do you have an educated statement there? Cause I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion that I think the timeout should have been taken. I know that the comments post game indicated that that was a, a play and an action and a set that they've run multiple times and that they're familiar with executing down the stretch. And I don't, I don't disagree with that one bit. I, I completely see that because if you go back and you watch the game at West Virginia Towards the end of the first half, there's a play drawn up for Pop Isaacs where he gets the ball on the wing. Um, he's almost at half court, launches a shot, doesn't go in, but he is wide open. And I think if you could have gotten something similar to that, it could have gone a lot better because as familiar as they may be with that play, I mean, to run it with Kevin O'Banner, who's a liability bringing the ball up the floor, and then Davion Harmon, who just can't shoot uh, the three in big 12 play. I, I guess you go with the hot hand there, but I felt like I would have liked to see that one slown down, make sure you have the ball in the, in the right hands and, and see what happens there. Was that the same play they ran at the end of the half against Kansas state too in Manhattan? I think so. That rub screen at like half court where somebody comes down the edge. 
I just don't understand why coaches big brain timeout situations at the end of the game. Like timeouts are to your advantage. That's why they limit the number you can take throughout a game. And it probably cost us a national championship under the last head coach in 2019. And I don't know if it cost you the game. Like you're still probably not going to get a great look out of that. But I've just never understood the philosophy of the coach not using it. Then going to the postgame press and saying, yeah, I just thought it'd be better if we played it out. Like how can I, I don't understand how they can make that argument. Maybe there's a an actual data point there that supports what they're saying that maybe leaning into the chaos of late game situations plays to their advantage, but I've never understood keeping a timeout in your pocket in a situation like that. That was always Beard's thing with uh, um, players make the plays. You know, they coach outside of the game and then the players know what you expect and they should do it in the game. I, I don't know. You just, you've not seen, not just with Mark Adams, but in the last six years, you've not seen great in-game or overtime execution from Texas Tech. So if it's not worked for so many years, why why do you keep doing it? I guess is my thought. Or even like sideline out-of-bounds plays, baseline out-of-bounds plays. like Those have been a weak point for Tech. Well, teams like Kansas just make a living off of them. And you go back and you look at that final TCU possession – if you everybody's talking about the foul and whether it was a foul or not, but if you watch the play, you can see Mike Miles kind of behind everyone and he's asking for the ball. And maybe this is just reading in between the lines, but I think that's a play that's used using him as a decoy and trying to draw that defense towards uh, the back door so that you've got a Jacoby Coles cutting towards the middle right at the basket. And that's just a simple play design that that you draw up on your clipboard. And I think that's kind of been a, an edge that tech hasn't had over the past couple of years for all of the overarching philosophies and schemes that go behind this team. It's like, sometimes it's too big picture and the nitty gritty execution doesn't always come with that, that overarching game plan. Well, I think that goes back to your opportunities to win earlier in the game and just your absolute failure to keep them out of the paint to rebound. And so we can gripe about the call. I'll say for a third time, I haven't seen it. And so I'm not really going to render judgment one way or the other. Um, But yeah, like just play better, you know, like you had your chances and we can gripe about quad one and the committee or whatever, if we get left out, but it's like, don't start 0-8 in conference play, you know, beat the worst team in the conference on your home court, do simple things that increase your odds of winning. And that goes for coaches and players. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating to, to see so much emphasis. And I, I guess the, the game of basketball is just like that. If there's a tight game and a, a 50-50 call, people fixate on that, but there's a million plays that happen before that. And within that game and really throughout the season, you haven't executed enough times. You did have a really good run here over the last month or so, but um, unfortunately it seems like that's going to be too little too late unless you can pull off something pretty miraculous next week. Yeah. And you finish, let's say you go one and one in the next two, you finish with six big 12 wins and you're just working with such a razor thin margin. You're going to finish with the top 25 strength of schedule, which is positive. And if you increase Big 12 games when the new teams come and add a Big 12 series or two or just more games in total and not full series, whatever it is, you can't 
rely on the three power five schools, power six schools to be good. You either have to schedule more or be more aggressive in getting to multi-team invitationals or doing more home and homes or trying to figure something out to where you're not the dead last schedule and then a top 10 conference schedule. Yeah. Or just again, make one of your eight or nine quad four games or make three of those quad two or quad three. Yeah. Like I get the argument, you know, you're not going to get a power six program to come to Lubbock. Okay. Like just roll the dice with somebody in the American or in conference USA or in the mountain West. Like those programs are good enough that they're not going to be net 322 when the season ends. And they won't be just an absolute anchor on your strength of schedule and your, your tournament prospects. So that is still, I know we've had that discussion on this podcast before. Right. And it, it works out when you do get to play 18 big 12 games, when everybody is as good as they are in this conference. But that is still something I would like to see us do a better job of in the non-con. Heading into that TCU game, if you had completed the lead, held on to the lead in Fort Worth, you would have had the same conference record and the same overall record as TCU heading into that game. And TCU's been ranked all year and highly thought of, and you have not. That's how razor thin the Big 12 is. And that's how, and they lost to what, Southern in the first week? Well, in K-State is maybe two games ahead of them in the Big 12 standings. I might need to double-check that. And they're like – they're slotted some places as a two-seed, three-seed in the tournament. Yeah. So, yeah, the gap between three-seed, six-seed, and bubble or like not making it at all is – yeah, it, it could be a couple of Big 12 games and that's it. Look at West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia is sitting here at 5-11, and 11, same exact record as Tech – Tech has a 6% chance to make the tournament right now. West Virginia has a 49% chance. They have fewer quad one wins than Tech does, but they have played more quad two games because they played UAB, which doesn't look like a sexy game on paper, but that's a Q2 game right there on your resume. They played Florida in a tournament, and then they've got the game uh, with Pitt, which is obviously a rivalry, and those are games that are going to be on your schedule. But just those three games... Uh, pretty much for a 50% increase in your tournament odds like that, that's going to be the difference maker some seasons. And, and it was this year and tech even caught a little bit of a break. If we're being honest with Eastern Washington being as good as they are this year with law tech playing as well as they are. I mean, some of these games actually ended up being a little bit better than honestly they, they should have been. West Virginia finishes uh, in Ames and then at home against Kansas State, I believe. Um, they're 5-11. and 11. Is this an 8-bid league or does West Virginia stay home? Well, did you see Huggins' quote on Saturday? Oh, um, quote it because I don't remember it. I, I don't have the exact one, but he said something like, if we get left out of the tournament, I'm going to oh, ass yeah. blast the entire committee <laughs> Everyone else was like, okay. Uh, so I, I hope they make it. Just so I don't that, think it was ass blast. Maybe pounce no, on he it. Said ass blast. Was it ass blast? Yes, he said okay. that. I'll have to go check that out. He either said ass blast or I will blast their ass. I Something think that's like, what it was. Yeah, blast their ass. It was yeah. that noun and that verb. But ass blast is a little different than blast an ass. I'm going to look it up just for <laughs> the sake of clarity. There's some semantics there, I think, that are a little different. 
He said, I will blast the NCAA tournament committee's ass as far and as long as I can. <laughs> oh, man. So I hope that for the committee's sake that West Virginia is in, and I do think they deserve to be. I feel like their they're Texas Tech had had we had a slightly tougher non-con, had we maybe won another Big 12 game. And I thought like Texas Tech down the stretch, you should have made it had they held serve at home. So – yeah, I think it should be an eight-bit league, barring like a really bad collapse by West Virginia here, or something really crazy happening in the in the Big Twelve tournament in Kansas City. So, a bad collapse, avoiding a bad collapse would be winning at home against Kansas State and then winning a game in the tournament. Sorry, what was your question? Well, just with West Virginia, what do they need to do, in your opinion? You said they deserve to be in the tournament, but I mean, if they're five and eleven regular season. Or five and thirteen, or whatever it is, or six and eleven, six and twelve. Good God, math yeah. is hard. If they have six Big Twelve wins and then none or one in the Big Twelve tournament, you think they're in? I think if they have, if they get one more in the regular season and one more in Kansas City, I think they should go because it would be six and twelve, so seven and twelve yeah. total. Well, and they're probably going to get us in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament, right? Yeah, really it'd be the eight happens. nine. Yeah, that's what it's projected as right now. Yeah, yeah. And so, would we be quad one on a neutral? I don't know what happened to our net. Um, so yeah, it, it, that Mainville's nodding. So if that's another quad one game for them, I think one in the regular season, one in Kansas City, which is crazy that a team that could win a third of their games in conference play, but they beat Pitt by like twenty five, and Pitt's in first or second place in the ACC. That's just how good the Big Twelve is. It, I mean, yes, I agree. I don't know that the committee will agree. I hope they do. Um, we certainly have been talking about Texas Tech getting to seven or eight Big 12 wins between the regular season and the conference tournament to get there. West Virginia with a better non-con, I think they have the same route, probably a much easier route, especially uh, with two games left that seem winnable. Ames, let's talk about Ames for a second. Hilton Magic gone? Are, are they collapsing? Are they falling apart? I feel like their fans said that last year about Altelberger and the team, and they went to the Sweet 16, beat a three-seed on the way um, in Wisconsin, I believe. Um, so, no, it kind of feels just like very symmetrical to their season last year. I was surprised, though. I think I saw the opening line – Iowa State only favored by three and a half in Ames. That, to me, is not a ton of respect for a, a significant home court advantage, and you would think they would be favored against West Virginia on a neutral floor. So I was a little surprised by that, and I guess it has me leaning toward taking the Cyclones um, if I were making a pick in that game. What was the final score of the Oklahoma game? They beat them by 15 or something crazy. So 11. 11? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm an embellisher, as Kyle knows. <laughs> and Tech is actually a Q2 game now on a neutral site. They're 54th. They got bumped. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the ears would need two in Kansas City if they only get one here in the regular season. Um, maybe the they finish at home against Kansas, Kansas City after they go only get one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Man. I feel like, though, with Iowa State, they they had their rough stretch early in conference play last year, and it just feels a little different than they're doing at the end of the conference this year. But all you need to do is get hot at the end, and Otzeburger has proved he's a good tournament coach or had a good tournament last year. Um, we're comfortable saying Oklahoma's out, even with their win over Iowa State. I'm comfortable saying Texas Tech is out, even though there is a path. It's You're not dead. Um, it, what looked like a nine-bid league for a couple of weeks there because Texas Tech was succeeding, I I really think it's going to be a seven-bid league. I don't think West Virginia has what it takes. I think um, Oklahoma State fans are paranoid that they're not going to make it if they don't finish strong here. I don't think they have a ton of confidence right now either. Yeah? Who do they play in the midweek? Do we know? Good question. Baylor. Oh, yeah. Good so, luck. They, so they finish with Baylor and Texas Tech. So yep. they might. Uh, Oklahoma State about... has a 25% chance at the tournament. So they're oh, wow. significantly lower than West wow. Virginia right now. We talked about that back when Tech was surging, being like a potential play in game of sorts. And it, it might be for them, uh, probably won't be for us, uh, barring a huge upset in Lawrence. But yeah. It, like nine bid league was kind of a stretch. That was, I'll admit, that was a little bit of a uh, a bit, as some might call it. But I thought seven or eight was very likely. But I guess it could turn out that you only get six. I mean, I say only. That's still more than half the conference making it. Um, and I feel like if seven through nine got in, they could probably make some teams nervous. But that's not how this works. You know, you have to have the resume. Uh, it's not just about. Here's what I'd be curious to see if if Vegas odds makers took the auto bids and then said like, we're going to pick the next ones at large based on who would do best on a neutral court. I wonder how many big 12 teams would make it. Cause I think even then OU might get some respect from a, an analytics source or an odds maker source like that. Um, so yeah, I feel like you'll actually probably not get as many teams in as you quote unquote deserve from a team strength standpoint, but from a resume standpoint, you just sort of cannibalize yourself. If, if you had a blind, tournament and just put the top 64 teams in the big 12 would be a 10 bid league just a little bit worried that the big 12 is going to get hurt by a horizon or you know some other weird thing like some american athletic conference team winning from the bottom or some ucf winning the the american tournament or something crazy um that would be crazy. Somebody knocking off Gonzaga in the in the West Coast Conference tournament. It just feels like a year where the Big 12 has 10 good teams, 10 tournament teams on most days, but three might get left out because the tournament doesn't work that way and there's a lot of automatic bids that kind of get sacrificed. Uh, I know SMU last year was a really good team. And they did not make the tournament because they were in at large and there wasn't enough space for them. So, and it's up to the committee too if they really believe the Big 12 is what it is. Okay, we have actually a really interesting prop bet. Ryan says that there's close to 0% chance that Tech or OU makes it. Oklahoma State, I think he said, was 25%, and West Virginia is a coin flip. So if I gave you right now six and a half teams over under, 
how many get a bid on Selection Sunday from the Big 12? Over. I still feel like it's seven. Yeah, I'd, I'd take the over. Somebody's going to make the, the last four in. Somebody's going to sneak in on the bubble. I tend to agree. If West Virginia and Oklahoma State played each other, I would feel really confident in seven because somebody has to win, obviously, and that would be a huge boost to their odds. Um, but I think the conference will get enough respect, like you said, Ryan, in that last four in discussion, that unless there's just a ton of um, mid-major types that, that steal a bunch of bubble bids, I, I feel like you can still feel pretty safe about seven. So I'd trail on the over there. The worst th- – this sounds backwards, but the worst thing the Big Qu- the Big 12 can do right now is go chalk. Because, I mean, West Virginia needs an upset, maybe two. Oklahoma State needs an upset. Um, I know technically Texas Tech would not be an upset to finish the year, but in Vegas it probably will be. Texas Tech will be favored. Um, Standings-wise, Oklahoma State winning that one would be chalk, but – somebody at the bottom of the conference needs to get hot to get everyone in. And Iowa State, firmly in, sure, but I think they're also in danger. And that's a – that's a. as much as they love Matt Campbell for being so mediocre, um, they expect more from their basketball coaches, I think. And Otts needs to keep it going to – to be comfortable there for long term. I know a lot of guys at Iowa State still love him, but there's whispers, right, and rumors, just like there are about Mark Adams, about you know coaching and what he is and what he can do and in-game stuff. And, yeah, he's a great recruiter, but does he do this and this in the games? And is he a motivator and all that stuff? Um, you saw Oklahoma State fans, too, ripping Mike Boynton pretty good um, this weekend about um, – Oh, what did they say? It was um, discipline and sloppy. All of Mike Boynton's teams are undisciplined and sloppy. So uh, the Big 12 has a lot of really good coaches, which I think makes being a mediocre coach really hard in the Big 12. Iowa State shooting 67% on free throws this year as a team. It's 320th in the country. Wow. That's bad. <laughs> that is bad. If you could swap with one of the bottom four coaches in the Big 12 right now, who would you switch with, Kyle? With one of the bottom four coaches? Yeah. Like Mark Adams for – just in the standings. P- Porter Mosier. Oh, okay. Bottom four Bob teams. Huggins. Boynton. For one game only or like to build the program if I had him under contract for five years? Yeah, you got to give him a five-year contract. Uh, not Huggins for sure. He's done. He's old. Um, I'd be between Boynton and Moser, just kind of depending on what I was prioritizing in the job. I if I felt like I really needed to replenish the talent level, I'd probably go Boynton. Um, if I felt like I was satisfied with the talent level or that um, we had a low ceiling talent-wise, I'd probably go Porter Moser. Then Iowa State have a top 10 recruiting class? Well, yeah, but you said bottom four teams. Oh, yeah, they're they're right above them. I guess I'd have to take so the bottom I, five. Yeah, I, I would take Altsburg over both of them. But I was counting – I was not counting Mark Adams. So oh, we were discussing okay. three. 
I was trying to put Ots in there. Would you go Ots over the other two? Give me Ots. Okay. Uh, former UNLV coaches have a pretty good track record at Texas Tech. <laughs> That's true. Should we get Lon Kruger's kid in a couple years? Yeah, sure. Isn't he at UNLV? Um. All right, so let's say Texas Tech is dead in the tournament. Is there a team you're leaning towards in the Big 12 to – well, let's do two things. Let's do two things here. Let's pick a team you would want to root for and then pick a team you think will do the best. Because I think Kansas will do the best, but I'm not going to root for them in the NCAA tournament. Well, you're spoiling a little bit of an idea we have there, which is if back when it seemed all but certain Texas Tech was going to miss the tournament before this run, we were like, we should adopt a Big 12 team during the big dance. Um yeah, I would want to go for one of the underdogs. And I consider I consider everybody besides Texas, Baylor, and Kansas kind of an underdog for different reasons. Even if K-State winds up a three-seed or something, they were picked dead last, uh, first-year head coach, all that good stuff. Oklahoma State, West Virginia, they won't have a very high seed. So I think I could root for all of them. And to a point, I can root for the entire conference. Like I don't want anybody like a rival like Texas or Baylor or TCU to have – legitimate tournament success, like Final Four, Elite Eight type stuff. But I want them to go in there and hopefully at least win a game or two so that – like if you if you wind up in eight-bid league and six and six of them lose on the first weekend, that's not a great look for the conference. So um, anyway, yeah, I'd, I'd be – I'd probably be leaning toward like Oklahoma State or West Virginia, like going for a true underdog. But also we get a lot of love from Farmageddon schools – and so I'd be tempted to take one of them as well as my tourney team. Um, I think Baylor will do the best. I was just about to say. I'm fully on the, the Kansas State fandom bandwagon. I mean, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson feel like they're just going to put up 25 points each a game in the tournament and just see what happens. I mean, they're they're really the backbone of that team and – pretty much all they have. And I feel like in March, you just give it to your best players and, and see what happens. And I mean, it's it's worked out for Kansas State down the stretch. I mean, those two guys have been just enough to let their defense kind of carry and they're producing. And it, it's been a fun team to watch. I, I think that that's going to be the team that I'm going to enjoy watching the most. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Kansas to do the best. And I actually think they'll win it all. Yeah, let's take Kansas out of it. Um I think Houston, the betting favorite, Kansas, right behind them. Oh, there's a stat. Um, the Ken Palm stat, where you have to have a top 40 defense and a top 20 offense. And Ken Palm, that's every champion since like 2000. There were six teams that have those numbers this year right now. Uh, Kansas, Houston, UCLA, Creighton, and UConn. There was one more, but... Those are the ones I remember. Uh, taking a flyer on any of those, or I mean, besides Kansas, Houston, Houston, feeling good to you? That would kind of no. suck to have the new Big Twelve team win it right before they got here. I'm actually, maybe this is big brain of me, but I'm I'm not actually sold on Houston as a program under Kelvin Sampson. They've had some great regular seasons. The analytics love them. During their final four run, correct me if I'm wrong, Money, but I'm pretty sure they did not beat a single-digit seed in that tournament run. It was either yeah. something like that. 
Okay, so and then last year they were the darling four or five seed. They were like top ten in Ken Palm, but wound up a five seed or something. Lost pretty early, and so I'm I'm still skeptical of Houston. So no, I'm not taking the bait on that. That doesn't tempt me at all. UCLA or Creighton? No. No. Watch the UCLA Colorado game today. That was a pretty interesting close it, game. I'd be more tempted to take Creighton. I, I feel like so the pack is the opposite of the Big Twelve in that they're so not battle tested by the time they get to March. It can be tough for them to play two tough teams in a row in the NCAA tournament, whereas the Big Twelve is like the ACC of old is used to it. Um, so I think that works against Pac-12 schools in the tournament. Yeah, and they, they – I mean, NCAA tournament, you can have one guy go off and, you know, Baylor Sherman or whatever his name is can hit seven threes in a game and Creighton wins two or three in a row just because he's hot. Um, I think that's why I'm back in Baylor because if you look back to great tournament runs – where a team's not like the overall favorite and they make a run, you have a guy, you have a shooter or two, and then you have some depth across all levels. And Baylor has that. Ryan, you're the T-rank wizard, and I know on T-rank you can um, basically do the the T-rank standings from a certain date and time. Can you go back to like right before Baylor got really good and set – that date is a filter and like, tell me how good Baylor is nationally. Yeah. Just give me like two minutes. Okay. Since like 2019, you mean? No, no, no. Since earlier this season, like oh, you can do it since February 10th or since January 15th or whatever. And right before I told you to buy stock in Baylor, when they were like plus 600 to win the big 12, which I don't think they'll get there, but um, I was buying them at that price. They won like five out of six big 12 games or something like that. So I just want to see how they have been – because if you just look at season-long analytics, it kind of might not be the best measurement based on what they've done over the last month or so. Is that going to take a second, Ryan? Because I do want to – okay. Kyle, I do want to give you a couple of flowers here too. Um, This is a gambling podcast. Uh, After – maybe after the second-to-last non-con game for Texas Tech or one of those last non-con games – uh, we were talking on the podcast, and you were pretty out on the team uh, at the time. And I feel like you know we go up and down or whatever, but you were certainly more out than I was, and I feel like you were more accurate going through the season. Um, I thought they would figure it out sooner and in more full, but you did set the conference line at 6.5 before conference play started. So solid line because I think you'll hit 6. And you had the under. I took the over. Yeah, I thought that was – uh, I think at the time I was probably a little bit more bearish than most. I think most were like, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll go 500 in conference play. No big deal. They thought six and a half was a really low number, Yeah, which I love that. We're obviously not expert odds makers, but I do think it's hilarious to set a line on Twitter and like give it to the fans as a hypothetical. And tech fans will always be like, oh, way over. Like today I did seven and a half for football season. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, I think we'll win nine or ten. I'm like, Undefeated. You're crazy. Like you're not crazy if you think that. But yeah. at an even money bet, if you're setting the line at nine or ten, that like you'd get ripped off in Vegas. So anyway, um, 
yeah, I, I actually had forgotten about that. Um, and yeah, it certainly went like one huge swing one way at the first half of the season and came back the other way. Um, interesting to think about too, if you don't make a miraculous comeback in Lubbock versus Iowa state to get your first one, what does this season look like? I mean, are we, are we talking two big 12 wins at this point in time or something like that? So I think that game really saved that saved us from being like, okay, a rebuilding year. We are not quite there on being in the NCAA tournament versus like a, a dreadful season that would be really hard to take any positives away from. Yeah. And we'll see how it affects uh, the recruitment of the current roster and all that stuff. I know we still have games left and still have postseason play because you'll be in the big 12 tournament. And if West Virginia and Oklahoma state both make the NCAA tournament, you will be the at large from the big 12, uh, regardless of what happens. Cause that's, that's the metric. You just have to be the, the best team from your conference. That's not in the NCAA tournament. And you're the, the big seed from your conference in the, in the NIT. Do you want to have the NIT discourse now or later? Because I, I think you and I probably disagree on that. Are we ready, ready for the Baylor note? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Let's I got that. some numbers for you. So since January 8th, which is the day after they lost the overtime game in Waco against Kansas State, they're fifth in the country in T-rank behind Alabama, Purdue, Texas A&M, which is a weird appearance, um, Houston and then Baylor. The next team in the Big 12 is Texas at 14th. Baylor's offense is second um, over that span and for the whole season in T rank, but the problem has been their defense. They are 81st right now on the season in defense and 64th since January 8th. So they're, they're Purdue from last season because Purdue – I'm going off the dome here. Purdue was like second in Ken Palm offense and like 90th in Ken Palm defense going into the tournament. And so like they were certainly good enough to win some games, but not a probably not a legitimate final four type team. So that might, that might be what Baylor is this year. And ironically, the only other team that's that far on one end of the spectrum since that date. And I can even go and look at the full season here is Gonzaga. Since January 8th, Gonzaga is number one in offense, but they're 112th in defense. So, I mean, there, there's another example. On the season, Gonzaga's first in offense, 103rd in defense. So that's a pretty huge disparity, even larger than Baylor, but um, interested to see kind of how both, both of those teams fare in the, in the tournament. Obviously, Gonzaga has other storylines attached to it, but... This Baylor team is so interesting because they feel like they can be so good. I mean, with how much talent they have on that team, but then the defense has just been major, major issue. Uh, I I wanted to look at the Ken Palm stuff since I mentioned the top. I think it's top twenty-two, top forty, something, something around that. Uh, there's more teams that are meeting that threshold now. Uh, Texas, H- Texas is Houston, UConn. Purdue is top 10 offense, top 20 defense right now. Uh, Texas is 15-26. Alabama is the one I missed earlier, 17-5. And And then West Virginia, 19-54, so they're close. Kansas, 29-20-9. And And then UCLA, 22-2. But again, you mentioned it, the Pac-12, defensively, it's easier to – I mean – 
you're a product of who you're playing, I think, a little bit. Now, the analytics know what's going on, but I feel like you can be tough in the big you can be tough in the Pac twelve and not tough in the NCAA tournament, I guess. We'll see. Maybe I'm just being a Pac twelve snob. Did you see the uh, Brandon Miller entrance for Alabama this weekend? You've always been a big Pac twelve guy, Rob. You uh, love the Pac twelve. For about two weeks I was all in on the Pac twelve when uh Texas left. I was. Big Pac twelve yeah. guy. Yeah, I saw that entrance that that player entrance uh with the walk I think Nate Oates said it was inappropriate. You think? It's a pretty encompassing word choice there. He probably could have pulled out the thesaurus and come with something a little stronger. But yeah, inappropriate is probably right. How bad does Nate Oates look in his press conferences and on the stand in the last two weeks? He just doesn't seem to have a real grasp for what's going on and how to control it. What's crazy is like the the impact that's had on the fan base. They're all is like in. they have completely shifted to that mindset, no questions asked. I think it's very interesting. Crazy. It's the SEC, man. It just means more. Yep. Future home of Chris Beard. Have y'all seen that? Y'all both made the same exact face. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I think Beard is gonna be rumored for every single Yeah. Ole Miss, West Virginia type job that's out there. So we'll just have to get used to that. I don't. I said I wouldn't be surprised if he's a West Virginia coach last episode. I, I thought more about it. I do not think he'll stay in the Big 12. If I was in Chris Beard's ear, I would tell him to leave the Big 12 for a couple years. He might want to come back someday, but. And I know this is the height of coaching and this is where you want to be if you're a great coach, yada, 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 but. I would leave. And and the SEC seems like a safe place because you're not the main focus. I mean one of your players one of your players can bring a, a gun to a teammate and then Yeah. I think one of the things we heard um his first season at Texas was that even he underestimated like how low Texas is on the totem or how low Texas basketball is on the totem pole there. Like not only are they a football school but they, their fans probably care more about baseball than they do basketball and how hard he had to work to get the student section engaged. And, you know, th- this is with the momentum of them, like being preseason top five and having a new arena under construction, all that. So I don't know if he would want to go to his, I mean, he might not have options like he used to. And so he may have to go to a place like Ole Miss, but if you think Texas doesn't care about basketball, I mean, go to an SEC football school and, see how much fan support and engagement you get, even if you're winning basketball games. I mean, I'm sure if he sustained a really high level at Ole Miss, they would come, but that might not be exactly what he's looking for. I mean, I still hear he wants to go to the NBA. So I don't know what the best place is for that. Um, It seems like he's a college basketball lifer in some ways, but he could be trying to scratch that itch and – the NBA might even be more forgiving on some of that stuff with, you know, you know where with you, athletes you know, for sure. You know where I think he would actually it would be a great fit for Beard right now is somewhere in the Mountain West because they are out of the public spotlight compared to some other conferences, but they have some really good teams and programs like year after year. That's not a a one bid league. Um, like even Boise State has kind of surged. Um, 
San Diego State, the New Mexico's have had competitive programs at various points in time. I feel like he could maybe go to a, a Mountain West program, be in the conference with three or four other tournament caliber teams, and sort of stay out of the limelight a little bit, but also be at a school that cares about basketball. And I don't know, I don't have a particular school in mind or anything, but if he doesn't go straight to Power Six basketball, and if like if his choice is between being an assistant Power Six or head coach at a Mountain West program. I think that would actually be a good landing spot for him. It would take incredible. UNLV. Like, I don't think they would take him back, but like, that's what they were going for the first time they hired him. Yeah. And I think it worked for him. I was about to say, it would take incredible huevos for the New Mexico State job to get him because of why he got fired and why they're without a coach, but. Yeah, I think that level of program would be good for him. I don't really care what's good for him, I guess, in this sense, but Ole Miss was open. Um, what were we talking about before all that? I'm sorry, I derailed us with Chris Beard. I think you were about to do the Reno barbecue ad read. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Whew, I just flashed a segue that would have been really good that I cannot make. Um but if you like smoked meats, Rahinio Barbecue, RahinioBBQ.com, Rahinio Barbecue in Alton, Texas, top 50 in Texas, number one in our hearts, number one in West Texas for sure. Uh, they have Fish Fridays now. I know they were working to keep that available all day long, but if you're not eating red meat, maybe on a Friday afternoon for the next couple of months, you can go to Fish, fish Fry at Rahinio Barbecue. Order a line at RahinoBBQ.com before 9 a.m. and go pick it up that day to confirm you have your food when you get there. They sell out quick in Olton, Texas. They also have the food truck roaming around. Beard to the Shanghai Sharks confirmed in the chat. Is that where Bob Donawald's headed? He's back to China? Bob the commie. He was the national team there in China. The coach. Bob Donwald. Special assistant to the head coach. I'm trying to get off of the Chris Beard stuff. Y'all y'all are gonna have to do it though, because that's all I can think of right now. Um do y'all want to talk at all about the Eddie Lampkin TCU bench shenanigans? <laughs> no? I I mean, we can mention it. I I'll say this. For for a long time, we were talking about this team doesn't have a leader. And I think there are some leadership voids in this team. This team also doesn't have a goon. Um, in, in the good sense, the hockey term, goon. Uh, Norris Odiase was a goon, right? He was being physical and ripping balls away from other players after after the whistle and real aggressive. Brandon this, Francis. Brandon Francis. You had a lot of fire on that team. Um, in the last few years, you've had guys. I think Clarence Nadolny was a little bit of a goon. Uh, you would send him in, and he would just play really tough for five minutes, and then go back out. Um, Kevin McCuller kind of brought that attitude. You don't, you don't have an edge on this team, and I think going back to close game situations that also affects you, but. This team doesn't feel very tough, and 
you know, since this since the head pat, Norris Odiase came out and said, you know, you got to go after him. You got to get a double tech there. Uh, Lamar Washington said he didn't feel the tap uh, on Twitter after the game, and then him and Eddie Lampkin shared some DMs. So uh, I don't know. All, all around, I did not like that Eddie Lampkin did it, and I didn't like the response during the game or after the game, really, from the team. I mean, if if a whole bench is on your floor the whole time, like, I don't know. I'm not saying they should fight, but I'm not not saying that you shouldn't get them off your floor. There should be some ownership there. It's kind of my thoughts. I mean, they, they were chirping all game to the student section, to players, especially Dawes. I don't know what, what exactly was happening there, but the, they were getting in Fardaz's ear pretty much any time he was near their sideline and just kind of waiting for somebody to, to bark back or just, just to do something to even just like a, a big dunk would have meant a lot. Uh, I, th- I think about that Kansas State game a couple of years ago where Cartier Jara was just talking smack all game steals the ball goes for a really flashy dunk mid game misses it they kick the ball out to Davide Moretti he sinks a three roof blows off the USA Texas Tech wins that game like there was just an answer for what they were getting faced with and that's just not really something that we've seen from this team and you know, I think that chemistry and culture, I think some of this stuff can get overblown at times, but you're sitting here and you're two and six in close games. And I think part of that has to do with just wanting to win and, and just, and I'm not saying they don't, obviously this is what they do. I know that they are, you know, competitive and there's no doubt in that, but just, to want to win with, with everything, just to punch your opponent in the mouth, to really embrace that, I think that that's just an edge that can that can help win you games. And it, it hasn't been to Texas Tech's favor so far this year. Kyle? I hated our fans crying about it so much on Twitter as well. I don't know if y'all agree with that, but it's like, yeah, we all know that the bench antics are not sportsmanlike, but it just looks so weak to me and just sore loser to for everybody to just go on and on about that for like 24 hours after the game. It's like the best way to stop that is if we would just beat them in something, anything like they swept you in basketball, they beat you in football. Um, yeah. Like is Lampkin a clown? Sure. Like if you don't want him to come out on the floor from the bench and pat you on the head, then like do something between the lines that, because he wouldn't have done that if they were down by 10 points. And even if he did, like, after the game, you can say whatever you want. That's the ultimate checkmate. Um, so people, I saw people, like, mentioning their athletic director and trying to get, like, an NCAA violation on Lampkin for making a, a wager on the game. I'm just like, to me, it's just, like, you lost, take the L, and – start beating TCU in something if y'all want to chirp on Twitter so much. Also, the cactus. Y'all want to talk about the cactus? Yeah, I was about to try and bring that up. Go for it. 
Well, I was looking up the one more game because you're you're since the cactus, you're owned four against TCU and men's bat own three in men's basketball and football. Uh, and then I I think did the ladies split with TCU this year? That's what I was looking at. Because TCU didn't win a single game. Uh no, you haven't played TCU again yet. So the women's basketball is the only team sport you've beaten uh TCU in. Well, I guess besides team track and field this weekend when you beat everybody for the Big 12 championship. But in all the like sports that get carriage, right? Men's basketball, football, you're own three since the cactus. Uh, and going back to baseball last year, you're own six in the, the major sports because they swept you in Fort Worth. So it, it's fun to do the cactus bit, but also it's not worked at all. It it's fun in July when it's the off season. Yeah, and their coach starts a a Twitter thing about the cactus. But once there are games being played and everything, it's like you have to win some of those. You can't win on Twitter and lose between the lines, and it like it doesn't matter. And so like yeah, we have a great fan base. They obviously went to bat for the West Texas region. I think that's ultimately what the cactus is about. We're as pro West Texas as anyone even before it was cool. Um, but yeah, like also some things have a shelf life and maybe the cactus thing, we can call calf rope on it. To me, that was an off-season football storyline because it was their football coach who started it. And to me, it was over as soon as football games started being played. I agree. And so I saw, I'm not a big curses guy. You know my line on that. Billy Bob Thornton turning around to Mike Winchell before the coin toss saying, ain't no curses. I don't believe in the curse of the cactus or anything like that, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have a shelf life anyway. I feel like the the hatchet was buried for me whenever the picture came out of Zarnell Fitch and uh, the TCU staffer that tweeted it in the first place. Like that was just kind of like, all right, this is just games now. Like th- this is just a-, a bit that we had for a while, and now now it doesn't. It just lost its edge. Yeah, and that photo was in Brian Carrington's Arizona State year because he's not even at TCU yeah. anymore. Yeah. Arizona State, like one of two schools that actually plays in a region where the Seguro Cactus is located in yeah. the United States. So, like, it's it's very poetic how that ended, if that is where the beef was squashed and where that ended. But we've had – this is kind of strange in my opinion. We took the cactus out of our name I don't know how long ago. And we've even had tech fans unprompted be like, hey, why isn't there a cactus in your name? Like, like you had to have it. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know. It's like, to me, that's over with. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it'll, in one sense, it'll live on forever because, again, it's a symbol of just combating the false narratives about West Texas. But that coach is gone. That offseason is over. That football season is over. And if you want Eddie Lampkin to quit coming out on the court to pat you on the head, both literally and proverbially, then start beating TCU in something. Yeah, you want, to just, you want him to stop dancing and keep him out the end zone, you dig? The you. Well, one thing about it, though, um, it does feel a little rent-free. Uh, some commenters also saying throwing horns down on the Jumbotron at a game not involving Texas is also rent-free. That's not just Texas Tech fans. Uh, there's the famous gif of the little Iowa State kid throwing the horns down when they're not playing Texas. West Virginia fans do it. Uh, Obviously, it's prevalent in the Texas Tech culture, but 
like at the baseball game, there's like seven people there in the first game because the basketball game is going on. And the first kid they put on the Jumbotron's like, yes, like guns up and the horns down. And it's like, okay, like we're playing Central Illinois or Western uh, Illinois, whoever it was. Yeah. I'm not a big horns down guy at all. The only time I really liked it from the last sports season was Donovan Smith doing it after beating Texas in overtime. That's like one of the only instances where it's cool in my opinion, but I'm with you when we're playing Baylor at the USA and it's like 72, 72 at the under four timeout and they go to the student section. They're like, yeah, (laughs) what are we doing guys? At least like do the sick them down or something. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Have y'all seen Cocaine Bear yet? Big movie guy, Kyle. Not. Ryan, I figured you for a Cocaine Bear opening night kind of guy. I don't remember the last time I went to the movie theater. I used to go a lot more. I don't, I don't feel like there's any good movies out. Generally, I, I've tried to go several times lately, and it's just like, ah, I don't... I mean, I went and saw Ant-Man, but... You, you want to know a little industry secret? Oh, you were in the movie business. I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah I used to... Yeah. Back when I was uh, sweeping floors in high school, I used to tell everybody I was the hardest working man in showbiz. Um, so here's the deal, Rob. Award season is, oh. yeah. you know, right now. So all the all the movies that think that they're going to be nominated for awards will come out in, like, December, January. And so spring was always brutal because it's the right. movies that are not summer blockbusters, but also knew they didn't have a chance in hell at getting nominated for an Academy Award. So like starting in March, which is close to where we are, like that was stink season and then pick back up again over the summer. So yeah, summer and winter are your, your peak seasons, spring and fall, kind of like some shoulder months where yeah. contest's probably not going to be as good. Glad to know that Kyle's planning bit hasn't died. Along with yeah. all your other, do- your other, hey, there's just some industry insight there from from someone <laughs> formerly in the biz. Yeah, I am excited about a few movies coming out. Creed three, I think, next weekend, and then uh, let's see, Air Jordan, the Jordan movie, Air. What's it called? Whatever, the one with Matt Damon. No, but really, at the eight screen theater I worked at, like at Christmas, it's like loaded. Yeah. Filled to the brim, every single movie is nominated for multiple awards, and then like around this time, the theaters are just empty. It's like movies nobody's ever heard of. Six people sitting in there. Pathetic. What was that back? I know you, I know you wanted to move on, but I just wanted to circle back to what that. Was that two thousand nine, eight, two thousand eight, ten? Like two thousand nine to two thousand ten, I think. You're so young. Yeah. No, but we had we had like Black Swan, we had the King's Speech, 127 Hours, Social Network, all this stuff. And then after those had had their run, it dropped off. And the new wave came in. It was like Jane Eyre, and I don't even know what. But nobody wanted to go see those movies. Kyle, could you beat a cocaine bear? Shoot, probably not. Based on based on the trailers I've seen, that looks pretty intense. <laughs> uh, Big Hint says it's perfect. I want to go to the movie theater when there's not another soul. Same. I will I say my anxiety level at the movies has really died down because you get uh, assigned seats now. I was the guy who went like 30 minutes early to try to 
get a seat and then now it's just like you can walk in and sit where you want to sit getting to know the gauchos if the entire theater is empty where do you want to sit if it's empty and you're at like a screening of avatar six months after it came out dead center maybe up a row or two from dead center money dead center I like the very back row. That does not surprise me. Is that another industry secret? In a big theater, if there's like toward the back, kind of some side seating over like the walkway and you can put your feet up, that's a a pretty good prime location. Big hint says top right. I don't like to be in corners. Though I guess you would perch uh, and see everybody else. Like in a restaurant, I would want my... You know, back to the wall so I can view are everyone. You, are you paranoid, Rob? I yeah, I don't like to sit with my back to the door. Do you? If I'm at like a Tex-Mex restaurant in Lubbock, I don't mind it. So I you, mean, you walk in and sit like at the front table where people are like walking in right behind you the whole time. I mean, I, I don't love that, but I feel like most places have seating that is not directly adjacent to the entryway. No, I I need to see my surroundings. I got to scope the exits. See what's going on. He put Slimson's comment on the screen. Kyle enjoys looking down on movies. (laughs) Looking down on the audience, too. Back row. Steven's always faced the door. See? What Tex-Mex restaurant would you at, Kyle? I I think Big Hen forgot some words there. I'll let you read that. (laughs) What I think he means what Tex-Mex restaurant would you eat at? Okay. Well, we know we know in Lubbock. I mean, it's hard to screw up Tex-Mex. We don't do free ads on this show. That's well established, but I talk about it in the Discord all the time, which if you want to join that, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. Just an absolutely vibrant community that we have in the Discord server. I think we have a lot of good, after basketball ends and offseason gets here, we're going to have a lot of good Patreon content coming your way. So get in now. It's $5 a month, so hopefully not too much of a financial hit for you. Join the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server. It's basically a group chat with a whole bunch of other Red Raiders, and it's a really good time. Patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. Speaking of the Discord, you want to do the Discord mailbag? Yes. Diversified lenders... If you need to turn your accounts receivable into cash, call Diversified Lenders. Red Raider owned, operated two generations of Red Raiders there at Diversified Lenders. Uh, Hey, shout out to Big Hen keeping the mailbag clear this week. This is going to run easy. You ready? Um, Start bench cut. (laughs) Okay, I just said. (laughs) Start bench cut pistol whip, bull whip, cool whip. Um, this is tough, I guess, like getting pistol whipped or it just says pistol whip. So I would assume that's handing out a pistol whip. Um, I mean, I'm not a cool whip guy, but the other two are pretty violent. So I'll start cool whip and then I guess bench pistol whip, cut, cut bull whip. You're such a family guy guy. What? Cool whip? 
Whip, cool whip. Money? Saying whip in whip way. Hot rod. Start pistol. Bench cool. I don't even remember what the other one was. I think I would start bull whip. Those bull? things are cool, man. You cracking them? Like uh, Indiana Jones? Get your fedora out. <laughs> <laughs> Who laughed at fedora? <laughs> Me. <laughs> you don't think I can pull off a fedora? All right, start bench cut, Indiana Jones fedora, Jason Mraz fedora, or Larry fedora. Uh, I would cut Larry fedora, just like Dave Aranda did. See, I would start him because I liked when their offense was horrible. I would start Indiana Jones fedora. Jason Mraz, no, I would cut the Mraz. Isn't that the like the soft fedora? Yeah, that was like the very circa 2010 Kind of fedora. Yeah, I would cut that one. Yeah, I don't I have. I, I don't have a fedora. Me neither. Looking at my hats, money. Do you have a fedora? I don't. No. I thought you might. Getting to know the gauchos. I did have a fedora, but uh, I don't anymore. I have a cowboy hat somewhere. Oh, there it is. Anyways, um, where can I find the lost episodes from the stream? They're on Patreon. Yeah, if we go three and a half hours and we don't want to put three and a half hours on the pod, we put the last hour and a half on Patreon. We did that, and we got some good reviews on that extra bonus hour. Yeah, you really missed out, Money. I don't know if you could have <laughs> I don't know if you could have hung, <laughs> hung on for that last hour. Oh, man. Uh, with Florida State Athletic Director and Trustees' comments today, are we looking at an accelerated timeline for future conference realignment? What teams would you realistically think could be enticed into joining the Big 12? I'm assuming this is from the ACC. Uh, the headline he's referencing, Florida State fires warning shot to ACC. Something has to change. A trustee asked whether a buyout to leave the ACC was feasible. That answer wasn't no. Kyle, you also um, shared a screenshot from my believe a trust i think this is the same story of the conference payouts per school uh from television contracts and the acc is way behind the pac-12 is way behind and you are kind of dead middle the sec is about to get a new one but although i think quick addendum to that i don't think that includes conference network distribution so the acc would get a bump sec and big 10 would get a bump the Pac-12 has never been profitable from my understanding, so that shouldn't really alter their figure. So it's probably really the Big Ten and the SEC are the upper class. Big 12 and ACC are the middle class. Pac-12 is behind. That was even with USC and UCLA, um, based on everything that's been reported, besides the people that have just always been caping up for the Pac-12. It doesn't sound like they'll get a pay bump on their next deal. And if they do, it would probably come at the expense of some – distribution visibility so anyway yeah i think you're i think you're in the middle class going forward for the next decade or so and that is a lovely hat might i say 10 gallon it doesn't really work with the headset though uh starbridge cut wild thing narco and inner sandman as closer walkout songs narco's the Start timmy trumpets sandman. yeah i think so that's the goat of closer walkout songs right Give them to me again. Sorry, I was looking for a video. Wild Thing, Narco, Inner Sandman. 
I'd, I'd start Inner Sandman, bench the trumpets, cut Wild Thing, even though that's a great movie. I would uh, cut the trumpets. I did not like the trumpet thing. Hey, Timmy, can I circle Timmy back trumpets? to the Florida State deal real quick? Yeah, do you have the video? Yeah. Um, if I was a member of the ACC that isn't Florida State or Clemson, and I heard them talking about this before 2036, this would be my response. You're going to get us another Spotify warning. Also, I thought the bits were dead. That's what I'd tell them. Because, like, uh, who cares if you're upset about it? You signed on the dotted line. We're here through 2036. Yeah. And that's what it is. So, sorry. Didn't they re-sign, like, a 10-year extension? Like, Bob Bowlesby tried to get the Big 12 to do that, and the Big 12 said no. Oklahoma and Texas said no so hard that they left the conference. <laughs> and then Florida State and Clemson were just like, yeah, sure. Why not? It's their own fault. Yeah. And Or, you know, if y'all don't want to wait till 2036, then pay us $500 million or whatever it is. And I think even if they pay the, the fee, they surrender their rights – through 2036, so even if they're in the SEC on ESPN or whatever, like the ACC is still getting that money. Um, so, yeah, go if you want and pay the buyout, or you can leave in 2037. Cry more. Cry about it. Uh, is that your favorite John Mayer song? It's up there. Lots to choose from. I love John Mayer. <laughs> John Mayer, in a lot of ways, is like the police to me. Now, hold on. He is good musically and then just repeats stuff. Waiting on the world to change. Waiting on the world to change. He says that 27 times in that song. He's he's a safe songwriter. Yeah. But why go away from the hits, man? I think that's probably the biggest criticism against him. He can shred, though. I thought you meant, like, because some musicians are – or bands put out the same album over and over. Yeah, Jackson. Like they, don't, they don't evolve. Yeah. But I, I thought that's what you were saying about John Mayer, and I was going to disagree with you heavily on that. Is that the guy that sang uh, Banana Pancakes? Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Every Jack Johnson song sounds like Banana Pancakes to me. <laughs> it's all Banana Pancakes. It's all Banana Pancakes. Question from the last episode. Why does Kyle have such a disdain from people who – Give neighborhood kids a few bucks in the summer to mow their lawn. Who does he judge more, the kid or the old guy? Just trying to help the kid learn some life lessons. So do you hate kids or do you hate people who pay for lawn mowing? No, I was the kid who got paid to mow lawns growing up. So I don't know where this even came from. So you're just, you don't, as an able-bodied man, you don't think that other people should be able-bodied and not mow their lawns? No, so I mowed lawns for like the elderly, injured people, or like single moms. I think if you're a 30-something-year-old man, you should mow your own lawn. Fair enough. I don't have a lawn, so that's my workaround. Y'all think that's a ridiculous take? Why are y'all scoffing at that? No, I don't think it's ridiculous. I just, a lot of people really enjoy that time that they can work outside and, and be alone with their own thoughts, but... 
some people make money to give it to other people to do things. I will say if you have do you like do your a, own plumbing? Do what? Do you do your own plumbing? If I can manage it, yeah. Okay. Taking money out of Big Hen's pocket. No, because my money doesn't belong to Big Hen. My money belongs to me. All right, I stepped into that one. Do you view work as charity? I do. I I should have seen that one coming. That's my bad. I mean, do, does Big Hen own all of my money except for which he so graciously allows me to keep? Is that what you're implying? Just the plumbing budget. If I can replace a toilet on my own, I will. If I need Big Hen's help, I'd, I'd call him. He's, he and knows I'm, flanges I'm and, and all that stuff. Yeah. He doesn't have to watch a YouTube video. I'll come back to fix your mess. <laughs> I, I'll also say this, though. I think people – this is a an understated benefit of home ownership is if you don't have the disposable income to call an electrician, a plumber, a whoever for everything, you do get to learn how to do some stuff that you didn't know how to do previously. And YouTube, uh, if you find the right video, can be a gold mine of information. There's a lot of people that do tutorials and they're very unclear – but I've learned how to do a lot of home projects on YouTube just out of a sense of like, I could probably figure out how to do this in about an hour or I can call somebody and pay him like 250 bucks. And I'd rather figure it out myself. I have a question for big hen in the stream. How much percentage of your job is just fixing other people's mistakes? Like a half done project that you have to go clean up. Uh, Oh, this is breaking news. Big hen has already offered to pay $30 a month for the discord and Patreon. Now he's saying he'd work for free or just for bits. Uh, Big Hen, I, your wife it must be the budget owner in your relationship because you don't seem very good with money. <laughs> so 65% is uh, cleaning up other people's messes. All right. Uh, start bench cut Superman by Goldfinger. The impression that I get by the mighty, mighty boss tones and the way by fastball. Do you do you know any of those, Mainville? I was about to say over over under one and a half that you guys even know. You know Superman. I believe that's uh, I'm no Superman uh, from the Scrubs theme. No, I've never seen Scrubs. Uh, the way the way is a class. I would start the way and then bench Superman. I thought no. uh, somebody else answered this and said impression. They would bench impression. I thought it was. Uh, that impression song by Natalie and Bruglia. Big the only Natalie scrubs, and Bruglia guy. Only scrubs I've ever watched on TV were wearing a Minnesota Vikings helmet. Mm. Self-deprecation. Hello. Hey, misconception. Big Hint thought I was doing the Kirk Thuggins. I was doing the Wabash Cannonball earlier. Ah. Different. One is up and down. One is horizontal here. Back and forth. Not to be confused with leaning like a cholo. Be. I don't this? know if you can say that word anymore, Rob. No, I just said it. So it's a song. I quoted it. It came out in like 2005, though. You so quote, times have changed. You quote lyrics, right? I've always heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's safe. Elbows up, side to side. That was before your time, money. Protein start bench cut. Pork, chicken, beef. Somehow they got slow poked. <laughs> are we talking, like, for clarification, are we talking like each protein item at its ceiling or like the median version of each protein? Because that would change how I answer. I would say the encompassed version of each. 
So I, I think pork has a high ceiling, so I don't want this to get misconstrued. I'm starting beef, cutting chicken, cutting pork. Did, did I say that? Starting beef, benching chicken, cutting pork. But a good pork dish, when done right, can be start-worthy, absolutely. Starting chicken, benching beef, cutting pork. I think I would start chicken as well. I might go crazy and uh, bench pork, but then I couldn't go to Rojino Barbecue. I'd get a half chicken at Rojino Barbecue for 10 bucks with two sides. Why did Texas Tech lose this weekend, and why is it Rob's fault? I was very unfocused. I was watching uh, baseball during the TCU game and listening on the radio broadcast. My bad. Another one directly to me. Dear Rob, if money wasn't an issue, would you rather marry Laney Wilson or the four best-looking women in Dalhart? couple issues with the question. Um, money would not be an issue for me to marry Laney Wilson. I just got to meet her first. Uh, and then polygamy, polygamy beside, uh, I would, you know, I mean, I wouldn't need to marry four of the best women in, in Dalhart. I've, I've been to Dalhart and, uh, I don't, I don't think I know anybody from Dalhart that I would marry, but not because Um, they're not one of the most attractive women in Dalhart. Are you and Margot Robbie not a thing anymore? Oh, well, you know, you know, and money wouldn't be an issue there either. It's all about. You know, knowing who you know and being confident. On again, off again type deal? Yeah, well, you know, she's busy and, and working and she knows other celebrities. And they, you know, live the same lifestyles. I don't live the same lifestyle. When you first read that question, I thought money was referring to me. And I was really confused <laughs> for a second. Like, I've never thought money was confused. Money, why are you ruining my love life, man? If money wasn't an issue. All right. Uh, in the mailbag. Hey, hey, hey that's got to be his uh, screen name. Next episode is issue. Yeah, <laughs> not an issue. Uh, start bench cut Indy IndyCar F1 and NASCAR. This is for Kyle, I think. Start bench cut IndyCar F1 and NASCAR. Starting NASCAR, benching Indy, cutting F1 out of spite because that's a real trendy thing that everybody likes all of a sudden. When I've been trying to get them to like NASCAR. Um, which I think is more compelling racing for two decades and they didn't want to do it. So I hate that. I hate the F1 trend. It's probably a better product than IndyCar, but I'm, I'm cutting it out of spite. Do you know how they name NASCAR? Um, is it just, are you going to do the nice car with an accent thing? Yeah. Two, yeah. two guys are standing on the side of the road in South Carolina. Car zoomed by. He's like, man, NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite driver? So I really liked Dale Jr. for a long time. I've been a bit of a rudderless ship since he retired a few years ago. Um, there's a good crop of young drivers to choose from. And so I, I like Ryan Blaney. I liked Cole Custer. I think he's unemployed or, or maybe just not on a very good team. Uh, he lost his ride with Stuart Haas, but I liked him. Um I like Byron uh, or William Byron, twenty-four car. Um, I wanted to root for Alex Bowman in the eighty-eight because that was Junior's number, but then he switched to the forty-eight. Uh, I don't like Chase Elliott. I think he gets kind of like pampered treatment on on a lot of stuff. 
uh, silver spoon type stuff. So I actually have more dudes that I just can't stand them winning than specific guys that I want to see win. So usually at the end of the race, a guy that I really hate is in it, like Logano, Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon. I'll just root against him. And so uh, Ricky Stenhouse won the Daytona 500, kind of an underdog. So he'll be in the playoffs and everything. That was cool. So, yeah, I just found myself rooting for kind of underdog types um, and rooting against mostly Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and Austin Dillon are the three that I really don't like. Buddy, weren't you a NASCAR guy at one point? Or did you like F1 or something? I thought you were a car guy. Uh, Steven Stevens on brand. There's some hot cowgirls in Dalhart. We did not plan for that. That's all off the top of the dome for Kyle. That's that's not a that's not homework. That's just life, right? It's not a bit. Um, if anybody wants to quiz me on my NASCAR knowledge, feel free. One more here. Start bench cut foodborne pathogens. Mad cow, salmonella, and trichinosis. Hand up. I don't totally know what. Exactly a couple of those are. Mad cow and trichinosis? Yeah, like I've heard of mad cow. Trichinosis is pork? Yes? Oh, big hen. We're going to Texas Motor Speedway. Just time and place, man. Well, I guess that is the place, but let me know. I'm there. I might could get some tickets to that. We used to have a hookup. Um, I don't want any of those... Foodborne pathogens. Yeah, I don't want any of those either. I'm going to cut them all, even though that's against the rules. I feel like I could win against <laughs> chicken. I, I could beat salmonella. In fact, <laughs> I think I have. That. Yeah, I think I have before. Just as long as it's not botulism. Do you remember the old uh, Jeopardy commercial? It, it wasn't a commercial for Jeopardy, but it was um, like Jeopardy Clue. And it was like, you know... This disease leads to swollen cans. And it's like shots of people in their homes and at work, and they're like, botulism! Y'all don't remember that one? It doesn't ring a bell. I'll have to go find it later. You don't have to. That's why I know the word botulism is all from a Jeopardy clue in a commercial. All right, uh, I'm dreading saying this today, but maybe we can get it out quick. Final thoughts? My final thoughts... That was a really disappointing end of game sequence against TCU that for your NCAA tournament hopes to apparently come to an end. Although with this team, who knows? Um, don't want to dwell on the call or calls at the end of the game. Cause like I said, you had opportunities throughout the game and throughout the season. That was a little bit of a gut punch, but I'm still proud of the team for fighting back with, from what was trending to be a really dreadful season to a, a respectable one. And, I I did not have them competing for an NCAA tournament spot in late February as of a month or two ago. So um proud of them for that. And who knows, maybe they have one more trick up their sleeve in Lawrence or in Kansas City. Um, but that's my final thought. Money. Yeah, I'll see what happens uh in Allen Fieldhouse. I think West Virginia showed you that there's a there's a path to Staying close with Kansas, we'll see if Texas Tech can replicate that success and then push it over the finish line, given that the opportunity actually presents itself. But I think at this point, your your tournament chances are pretty much out the window. Um, see what happens these next two games. See what happens in Kansas City. And 
if you're like me and you're usually just tuning in to basketball and football, highly encourage watching some Texas Tech baseball this season. Really fun team. Gavin Cash is just a ton of fun to watch play baseball. Um, and so if you haven't watched a Texas Tech baseball game yet, uh, I encourage you to do so. It's It's got some some exciting stuff happening over over at the rip. I have two final thoughts. That was one of them. Texas Tech baseball, very good. Sweeping Central, I keep saying Central Illinois, uh, Western Illinois this week in the Leathernecks, who we learned a lot about. Uh, Leathernecks chirping a little bit there in game four. It's hard to lose four in a row, I'm sure, but they got up four to nothing and then chirped a little bit into the dugout in Texas Tech. I think scored six or seven the next inning. It was awesome. Uh, Dylan Carter, some DC, uh, unlocked a, a new plate approach with those batting gloves. Really excited for him. He hit 280 in 2020 early and really looked like he was figuring stuff up. I do not think he's been healthy the last two seasons. Um, really excited for him to be healthy this year, and he looks really good. Um, missed an outfield play going back to the wall. Saturday, but had a web gym today. Um, that's the kind of stuff he provides for you. I didn't think he would get even close to the one he missed on Saturday. And he got his glove on it and just didn't connect, but really good player on a team of really good players. And a lot of these freshmen look really, really good. My second final thought, do you have a final thought on baseball? Just going to follow up on, on DC, uh, our boy, the often referenced Keith Patrick with Red Raider dugout. During our extensive season preview, he said, I think I'm quoting this almost verbatim, that Dylan Carter had been seeing the ball a lot better all offseason. I think that's true, not just with his uh, getting on base often via hitting the ball, but also earning a couple walks. And it feels like he's just separating strikes and balls really well and then making contact a whole lot early in the season. So he was right on that, uh, hit the nail on the head, at least early in the season. I hope that continues for Dylan Carter. And he was massive this weekend. He belted the scoreboard with a home run and also uh, had a double or two. He had a bunch of hits, so really good weekend for him. Uh, My final, final thought is, and we can do this on the midweek, Kyle, uh, or certainly after the next weekend game because that'll be going into the Big 12 tournament and we'll certainly know for sure. I'm not opposed to the NIT. I know a lot of people are. Um, For this team... If if the plan is for multiple starters to come back, I would say thank you to, to Kevin O'Banner on senior night or in the Big 12 tournament and then let him leave before the NIT and play all five of those freshmen and let Elijah Fisher get 30 minutes and see if you can get them all to come back next year. I think it could be beneficial. Um, it's not my ideal situation. I don't love it. But if that does happen... I would like to go all in on all the young players and everyone coming back next year. Do you want to rebut now or on the next episode, Kyle? I'll rebut later. I'll just say no thanks for now. All right. Then uh, you can take us out, Kyle. Love y'all.